You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So we have Alex Lacrimore, who is a music supervisor, composer, and music director on Broadway. Alex has worked side-by-side side with popular composers like Lin-Manuel Miranda on Hamilton and Paskin Paul on Dear Evan Hansen. Other shows he's been a part of is In the Heights, Wicked, Legally Blonde, 9 to 5, Annie, and several others. He has also won three Tonys for his work on Hamilton, In the Heights, and Dear Evan Hansen. Hi, Alex. Hi, how are you, Mason? Good, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me on here. Can you talk about how you got to where you are? Yeah, I feel like um, I, I got to where I was. I mean, on, on the mechanical side, I, I think playing piano from a young age, uh, I, I started playing piano when I was four, kind of uh, allowed me to kind of uh, get an opportunity to learn classical music, but also learn how to play pop music, learn how to accompany singers. And it gave me a lot of foundation for theory and for harmony and all the tools that uh, are, are good to have if you're wanting to be a music director. And uh, I guess I always had a, a, a fun time leading musical groups, either uh, just being the one to put bands together or wanting to play charts or whatever that is. So I think that coupled with just a, a love for musical theater, um, all those things together kind of uh, uh, came together for me. And, and add to that my love of, of making music, my love of collaboration and, um, you know, and my luck of meeting very, very talented people uh, along the way who would ask me to join them on their projects. Um, that all got me to do uh, what I love to do, which is uh, what I'm doing right now. So I've heard several places that you have hearing loss. How did you get to work on Broadway through that? So my uh, hearing, uh, you know, I've never, it's funny, I've never quite known what the correct term it is, because I've never really called it a hearing disability, but I suppose it is, and you, you could call it a, a handicap as well. Uh, but uh, all this to say is that um, for me, I've always just known what it's like to hear this way. So I, I always tell people, listen, we listen to the same music, right? If a stereo is playing, you and I might be listening to the same song, but I'm just hearing the stereo a little softer than you are. And that's the way I describe it. So it's not like I'm not hearing the music. So whatever my perception of what music sounds like, it's what I've been perceiving ever since I was a child. So that has never, that, that has never really changed for me. So I've just learned to deal with it. I've just learned to uh, make that just a part of my life and, and try to compensate for it in the ways that I could, whether it's wearing hearing aids, 
uh, when I was a kid, it was about sitting in front of the class to make sure I heard everything the teacher said. Uh, when I work with people, sometimes it's letting them know that I have a, a hearing disability that makes it uh, harder for me to hear certain frequencies when I'm mixing in an album, for example. So I think it's just a mixture of just defiance in a way, you know, not taking no for an answer and not being stopped from doing something that I love to do. So um, I, I credit my parents for being very supportive and never making me feel like I couldn't do uh, as something that was really important to me. So um, I, I guess the short answer is you just learn to deal with it and, and uh, not feel sorry for yourself and just move on. So you're known as a composer, orchestrator, and music supervisor. Could you talk about what you do in each of those different roles? Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to explain uh, um, the, the different uh, jobs uh, that in not musical terms, but I'll, I'll try my best. So I would say a music director in a, uh, in a Broadway musical tends to be the person who is in charge of the music, uh, being the liaison between uh, the music department and perhaps the directing department or the choreography department or lighting, what have you, uh, teaching the music to the singers, uh, perhaps conducting the show eight times a week, uh, but also dealing with the schedules, the rehearsal schedules. And if there's new cast members joining, uh, coming up with uh, the schedules and the methods for teaching them and uh, dealing with the band and, uh, and communicating with them. It, it's, Basically, anything having to do with music for the show goes through the music director. Um, an arranger, for me, I describe it as very kind of big picture uh, thinking on a song. And that is talking about perhaps how the song feels in terms of tempo and perhaps adjusting the key for a certain singer, uh, suggesting, hey, let's do two verses instead of three verses, uh, perhaps coming up with a new introduction or a new ending, recycling motifs, kind of like I said, a, a very a macro view of stuff. And to me, the uh, orchestration is very micro. That's where you get very detailed and uh, you get very specific about, hey, how many instruments will there be in this orchestra? And if the strings are playing, how many violins will we have? Will we have violas or won't we? And if there's a guitar playing, will the guitar be an acoustic? Will it be an electric? Will it be a ukulele? Will it be a banjo? It, it's getting very detailed and writing down the notes for every single part to play and making decisions about uh, who plays when, whether they're playing in harmony, whether they're, they're playing counter lines, what have you. But it's uh, a lot more uh, intensive, I think, because it's very OCD in terms of, uh, you know, being very, very uh, meticulous, very exacting and, uh, and uh, yeah, trying to translate the music and, and all these jobs I described, I think the main goal is to storytell through the music, to be a storyteller. So however you want to interpret that, whether you're a music director talking to your actors, whether you're an arranger talking to your composer about how a song should feel, or whether you're an orchestrator trying to elevate the emotion that's happening on stage, it's all about at the end telling a story. So when Lynn or Paskin Paul or whoever hands you a song, what is there and not there? And what do you do to it? It depends. Every composer works differently. There are some composers that write everything down in a piano vocal chart and are very detailed about what they want the piano part to be. Um, and there are other times where the composer uh, just invents the song and they never write anything down. They just sit at the piano and perform it for you and sing it. And then it becomes incumbent on the music director to get that notated. Um, sometimes I do it myself. Sometimes I'll have people do it for me. And then from there, it's about translating and executing. And it's about 
potentially uh, making suggestions about other vocal harmonies, uh, perhaps saying, hey, have you thought about using this chord there instead? Or saying, hey, I feel like this ending isn't uh, totally satisfying. What about if we did this? What about if we did that? So um, sometimes people are very collaborative with that and they let you into the process. Other times people are, are very specific and say, no, this is what I want it to be. And as an arranger, it's your job to go with that flow. It's your job to fulfill their vision because at the end of the day, they're the composer. They have the final word and you're just working to help uphold their vision. So when did you realize Hamilton was going to be a big thing in your life and a whole thing for the world to enjoy? You know, I have to say, I, I, um, I, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how best to say this. You know, I, I knew as I was working on the show that it was the best piece that Lin-Manuel had ever written. I knew that it was something that I was extremely proud of and that I loved deeply and was very passionate about. But I never predicted any uh, of, the, of the impact and the buzz that the show had. Um, and even still, as it was all happening, what was most important to me was making sure that I was still uh, uh, maintaining the work and the, uh, the show at the highest level I could, trying to perform the best shows possible, trying to uh, um, make the show sound good, both in performance and in terms of audio sound design and, and taking notes and being just uh, very on top of the maintenance of the show. So I say that because I never really like... <laughs> I would never say, oh, my God, this is the uh, look at the way the show is, is, is touching people. We're this and we're that. Like, that's not my job. Like, you can't control what people will say about your show. Uh, people will feel about it the way they want to feel about it. And it's neither right, neither wrong. And you can't control it. All you can control is what your contribution is and, and how much love you give to the piece and how much you nurture it. And the rest takes care of itself. That being said, uh, you know, it, it's hard to deny that uh, the show definitely ha has touched a lot of people and that there's a lot of love around it. And I'm always uh, amazed by that and always uh, extremely honored by that because, you know, I, I'm, it's not lost on me that, uh, you know, not all Broadway shows get this much attention. And I feel very, very uh, lucky that I got to be part of this, that I've been around this show for as long as I have, and I've seen it come together from the beginning stages. Uh, and to know that I've been there on the journey the whole time, I can't describe to you how important that is in my life and how grateful I am for that. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply was it hard to maintain a quote-unquote, normal life while working on these Broadway sensations? Uh, you know, I, I, um, for me, it's about trying to find the balance of, yes, how, how to have a, a normal life and, and to uh, do the show at the same time. And I will say it gets difficult to keep the schedules straight. It find, I, I find it hard sometimes to meet all the demands that are made of you from, from people 
either wanting to communicate or, or, or needing your eyes on something, or even me just being home and watching TV with my wife. It becomes hard to balance all those things, not only because uh, the, the demands get to be uh, great, but also because, uh, um, you know, I, I reach my limits. You know, I, I get to a point where like, oh, this is, uh, this. I feel like I'm going to not be able to see straight because I'm so tired and I feel so overworked and taxed. And and you want to be able to make space for yourself and t- and, and have time to relax and time to, to recharge. Um, and I'm very much a perfectionist. I am a workaholic. I love what I do and I, I will... I will sacrifice sleep if it means that the chart will be that much more uh, um, complete in my mind. So I definitely tend to push myself and that's my own doing and that's my own fault. But, uh, but at the same time, I would like to think that it's because I'm so relentless in my quest for quote unquote perfection. That's why I, I, I get to work on the projects that I get to work on. So um, it's a double-edged story, I'll tell you. Does each show change your perception of music and storytelling? And if so, how? I think with every project I do and with every year that passes that I get the good fortune to be on this earth, I, I get to uh, hone my skill a little bit more. So that is to say, I do feel like as I've gotten older, as I've gotten more experience and get to work with other shows, um, I become a, a little bit more um I, I just gain more and more knowledge and I'm able to use it more. So I, I think for me, I'm always learning. And with every project that I do, I learn something that I didn't know before. And I carry that new knowledge to the next project that I do. So I, I see us all as ever evolving beings, right? We're always trying to grow and always trying to learn and, and to adapt. And um, for me, it's just important to try to keep my antenna up and to continue to try to learn and try to, and try to uh, uh, assimilate and, and try to stay on top of the latest software and try to stay current. You know, it's a, it's a task at times, but uh, at the end of the day, it's about uh, doing what I love and trying to keep myself open so that things always feel fresh. Things always feel new and, and that I continue to, to develop as a musician and as an artist. What's the best advice you've gotten in your career? Ah, that's a great question. You know, I, it's very hard for me to, I, I, I have a hard time saying this is the best thing, or this is like my number one, whatever. But uh, I, I do feel like I'm lucky that I've gotten teachers that saw something in me as a pianist, as a musician, and uh, bestowed their knowledge upon me and uh, taught me what I needed to know at that moment, whether it was how to communicate more clearly clearly with your, your, uh, the, the singers that you're working with, how to lead a band or, or how to, uh, uh, you know, I, I think for me, it's just a lot of paying attention and trying to learn from, from mistakes. And also when you step out of your lane, if someone tells you that you're doing so, hopefully they have a way to do it. That's uh, uh, diplomatic and, and good c- constructive criticism, but being able to listen to that and take that advice and go with it. So you know, I, I guess this is a the long answer I just gave it to you, but the short answer, I suppose at, at some points in my life, I've been able to be put in my place in the right way and be able to be told, hey, you're uh, you're stepping on, on shoes. You're, you are, are pushing a little bit too hard and, and you need to back down a little bit. That was very important for me to hear that because I am very, uh, uh, I can be very uh, um, strong-headed at times and I will push and push and push if, I, if there's something that I believe in and there's times that you need to, to take a step back and let other people lead and, and let other things happen and uh, 
you know, only really push if uh, the time is right. So I think I learned uh, the hard way when I need to uh, kind of just take it down a notch. And that's been very important for me. So have you benefited more from education or experience with shows? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I tend to, I would probably say it leans more on the experience, meaning with every show that I did, I gained more knowledge about how a show gets put together. I, I would learn something that, like I said, that I would take to, to, to the next uh, project. But I didn't get a formal education in musical theater. You know, I didn't study musical theater as a, as a um, uh, you know, in the educational uh, uh, higher learning sense. But I definitely learned about it just by doing just by being in shows and playing shows and leading shows, all that became part of, uh, of the process for me. Um, so I think that that's where I get most of my, my knowledge. Yeah. So what are you doing during quarantine? Are you working on any projects? Yeah. I surprisingly feel just as busy now as I did before the quarantine. Um, I think at the top of the shutdown, many people were able to just take a breather and take a step back and, uh, uh, you know, try to take stock of where we were. And I'm very fortunate in that uh, um, my wife and I have been able to stay healthy. Uh, my family, uh, my mom, dad, and sister all tested positive for COVID about a month ago, which is worrisome. And they are getting better. And I'm trying to stay positive that, that they'll be okay. They haven't needed to be hospitalized or anything. And um, yeah, that, that's a, a scary thing to go through, especially when they're so far away. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, if... Uh, if, if things are going okay for you in the quarantine, then uh, I, I, I am fortunate in that I've been working on projects that have deadlines that are set for 2021. So they're full steam ahead. Uh, and uh, I get calls about uh, things to be involved in, whether it's uh, wonderful interviews like this or whether it's about uh, uh, master classes here or uh, listening to this mix for this movie project that I'm working on, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like I've learned how to uh, really, really be at home and use my home studio and continue to create and to, uh, to work. So I'm, I'm very fortunate in that uh, I, things are, are good here uh, at the home front and I still get to kind of do my thing. And I know that's not the case for everybody, so I, I don't take it for granted in the least. So in our last few minutes, is there anything you want to add? No, I just wanted to say it's a pleasure to be on here, Mason. Uh, you seem like a very mature young man, and I can tell that you love musical theater and that you love what you do. And uh, you have a, a big fan and uh, our mutual friend, Anna Luisos, and everybody who uh, uh, has been uh, uh, working with you and to set up this interview has uh, all made wonderful comments about uh, what a pleasant young man you are. So I'm glad to experience that firsthand. So thanks for having me on. Well, thank you so much. That's it for Season 3 of Real Talk with me, Mason Bray. Thank you to all of our guests that we've had so far, and I hope to have you here in a few weeks to hear some more. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.